Well, it's good to be back with you guys and get to share from the Word. I'm not uh, excited about the reason uh, of what's going on with Don. I'm glad he's doing much better. Uh, actually, we go way back. Uh, Don hired me uh, to be his assistant back at Piedmont. So my very first job out of college, for some reason, he decided to hire me. I'm thankful for that. And uh, then, uh, two years after I was assistant, he chose to come to Clinton, which I was grateful for, because I became the head coach. I couldn't get a job. I interviewed all over the state trying to get a head coaching job when I was assistant at Piedmont. But I ended up getting to be the head coach at Piedmont when Don came here, and we got to see a lot of fun memories. Uh, and I have some great stories for any of you that like to have some uh, background on Don that you don't know, uh, any time that you might need that, you can call me, and uh, I'd be glad to share that with you. We also were, uh, we're also connected to you guys in another way. Uh, our niece is Amy Warren, and we were with Landon and Amy yesterday, and they send greetings to you guys. They're doing good, and their, their little baby, uh, Aller, Allery, was uh, there with us, so we had a great birthday party yesterday morning in Oklahoma City, but it's great to be with you and be in the house of the Lord, and uh, I kind of lost it on one of those songs that uh, Rhonda was playing. Uh, my dad passed away a little over a year ago, and uh, he was 88, and he was... Uh, Amazing man that preached almost every Sunday, and I have not gotten a chance to share since he in, in a pulpit since he passed away, and so I was just reflecting, uh, asking God to give me wisdom and courage to share what He wants today to you. Uh, he had just resigned from a little church in Homer in October and he passed away in March. He was 88 and had been pastoring there for 13 years. Him and my mom served there all those 13 years. And uh, so anyway, we're, we're uh, excited about being here this morning and Kelly and I uh, enjoy the service with you. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the song. Uh, the reason that was chosen is we're going to talk about giving our best at something I get to work on every day as a coach, basketball coach, trying to get people to do more than they think they can do. A lot of you that uh, have employees, you do the same thing, trying to get them to get out of their own way or get out of their box and do more than they ever could think they could do on their own, you know. Uh, and, and, I, and I think of that uh, a lot, and I talk with our guys a lot about the word encourage, and the word encourage means to give someone courage to do more than they could do on their own. And, you know, if we learn how to encourage, it's amazing what the difference is in all those around us. Uh, that they can make such a, a, a big jump from what they can do on their own. And, and so today, um, there, are, there are several things that I want to talk about, but I want to 
tell you a little story first before we get into it. We're going to be in Malachi, which is in the Bible. Um, it's hard to find, although it's the last book in the Old Testament. And uh, But before we get there, uh, May 3rd, 1999, I'm not sure what happened in Clinton, but I was coaching at Oklahoma Baptist University at the time in Shawnee, and we had a three-year-old boy uh, that the Lord uh, gave us through adoption, Grant Matthew Hoffman, and uh, he was not with us on that day. He was with Aunt Karen and Uncle John in Moore, Oklahoma. And if you recall what that day was, uh, it was one of the worst days in Oklahoma history as far as tornadoes go, and we know we've had a lot of history all over the state. But uh, I actually been out playing golf with a buddy of mine, and we came in, and we were getting ready to watch the NBA playoffs at the house. And all of a sudden, uh, Gary England came on and said, if you're not below ground, you're not going to live. I don't know if you remember that day. Uh, and so we started scrambling, trying to get a hold of uh, Karen and John and see where Grant was, what they were doing. And uh, they had gone to a cellar, which we were thankful for, not too far from their house. But that storm, as you recall, just was almost like a big weed eater that did a mile path for many, many miles. And it ended up, we were watching it live on TV, like you can now, it's crazy. But we knew that where that path was, was going right where they were. And we were praying that it would miss them. And sure enough, it did. But we couldn't get a hold of them. They did let us know they had gone to the cellar. But it did miss them. But we could, you know, my buddy said, let's get in the car and try to go get them, whatever. But the roads were all shut down because all the uh, traffic and all the wrecks that had happened. Eventually, we got to uh, get reunited with Grant. And that was a, an amazing moment. But it was scary through all that. About six months later, I took another job in, in, at Texas Pan American down in South Texas, way South Texas, basically Mexico. And uh, I was flying, and I had got a paper out, a newspaper, Daily Oklahoma, and I was reading it. And it really struck me because it said, you know, right as soon as that happened on May 3rd, 1999, the call went out all over the place for help, water, food, clothing, whatever you can do, we need, people need all kinds of things because they have nothing. And in this article, it talked about how the Red Cross had received all these goods from everybody and people were so willing to give. But what caught my eye was that they had to throw away 50% of what was given to them. Because people just brought whatever was in their garage, stuff they were trying to get rid of. They didn't bring their best to help those people. They just gave whatever stuff they wanted to get rid of. And you know, in Malachi, it, it, there's a scripture about sacrifices that go right along with what happened on that tornado and with the Red Cross. And it's, it's in Malachi 1. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, uh, Malachi 1, 
on uh, verse 13. It says this, When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And as we know in the Old Testament, that was the sacrifice. Thankfully, Christ came and we didn't have to do animal sacrifices anymore because of His blood uh, that was shed that covers us every day and every minute and every sin. Thank the Lord for that. But in this time, in the Old Testament time, there were lots of people that were bringing injured animals to be sacrificed. And they would take them off to the side and, and kill them. They weren't bringing their best. And it talks about, in this scripture, you know, in Leviticus 22, it talks about what exactly the sacrifice should be. And in Jewish religion, uh, you had to bring something that had no blemish. And as you, as you fast forward, when Christ was on the cross, He had to be a perfect sacrifice. Not a blemish at all. And that's what he expects us to give every day. And that's the hardest thing. I'm speaking to myself more than, than maybe you. Is It's hard for us as Christians to remember that we are his child. We are a child of the king. And he wants us to give our very best. Not just... Uh, just something on the side. I think there's two things that really help us get to that. Um, you know, it, it really, as old saying, I, I, I had said it before, uh, some other place, used to be people would talk a lot about uh, roadkill. And, you know, basically God doesn't want us bringing in roadkill as our sacrifice. He wants us to bring our best every day. No more roadkill, man. He wants the real deal. He wants as good as you can bring. What is the best that you have today? What is the best you have tomorrow that you can bring? That's what he wants. Well, there's two things, real quick, that I think if we're going to bring our best, we should be about. And the very first one is we need to be about memorizing Scripture and getting it in our heart. Once we get in our heart, it's easier for us to be about our best. If we can memorize Scripture. Reading it's good. And it talks about in the Scripture, chewing on it like a cow chews cud is really good. I know you guys know probably more about that than I do. But that that's, uh, sounds really nasty. But if, if, you could, if you could get to that point where you're on it every day like that, getting in the Word, you're getting pretty deep down in it. But I would take it even a step further. I think the more we memorize the Word, where it's in our mind and it's in our heart and it comes out of our mouth, then what we communicate is more uh, positive and not negative. Uh, Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. 
Man, that's what I want more than anything every day. I try to find a way not to sin against God. We know we're going to fail because we can't be perfect. There's only one person that's been perfect. But that should be the goal every day when you wake up. How can I give my best? How can I do my best to push, point others toward Christ? 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, training, rebuking, and training in all God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in all God's Word is important. All Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we want to be about the right thing, we want to be about bringing our best, we want to be about getting into the word. You know, in uh, Jeremiah 1, 8 and 9, it says, Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on both day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it so you may be successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, what a promise. What a great thing. And the more of those things we can spout to ourselves and have good self-talk as we think about now, didn't know about what that was when I was younger, but good self-talk, you know. It would be good if that self-talk was Scripture that you're memorizing and you're saying again to yourself. Something tells me that would make a huge impact on what we do every day, if that was our self-talk, is the scripture. One, one, last, one last one <clears throat> is in, uh, well, that's okay. Uh, the last thing about that and that point is, you know, memorizing Scripture is so important that that was what Jesus did to combat Satan. He spoke the word and told him to get behind him. So when things aren't going exactly right and you think you're being tempted and things are not, uh, you, you don't know how, what to do or you don't know what to say, if you just start quoting Scripture or if you start reading Scripture out loud or you start calling out, to the name above all names, no matter where you are or whatever's going on in your life, He will answer. He's faithful. He's faithful to be there no matter what. Every day, every way. The second point is we must communicate life. You know, I, I, I share this uh, story sometimes with my guys, and, and I think it's really important that uh, men and women are developed the same way gold is mined. And that is, you go into uh, a gold mine, you've got to move several tons of dirt to get a few ounces of gold. But the question is, do you go into the gold mine looking for the dirt, or you go into the gold mine looking for the gold? And I think it's very important for us as Christians to make sure we're looking for the gold in others and not the dirt on others. In a church, a lot of times, is the worst. I've been in a church all my life. 
And sometimes, you know, you're having the pastor for lunch right after he uh, spoke, or you're worried about the carpet, or we're worried about, I have no idea what's going on in this church. So, Don, I have no idea, but I'm just speaking from past experience. I know churches can be the worst about, well, they didn't get the right color pews, I'm out. Our life is centered around what we believe is the best instead of around what Christ believes is the best. You know, we need to be about communicating life. And in in, uh, James 3, there's three things that uh, really illustrates that about the tongue. But before I get to that, you know, there's a story about a monk and uh, in a monastery and after six years the monk went in and the head monk called him in and he said uh, they got two words every six years I know there's a lot of friends of ours we'd probably like for them to only have two words every six years but he called him in and said okay what's, uh, what's your two words and he said uh, food's bad so Six more years went by, and the head monk called him in and said, Okay, what's your uh, two words? He said, Bed's hard. Now, it's been 12 years. Now he comes in after six more years. Now it's been 18 years. He calls that monk in, and the head monk asks him, What is your two words? And he said, I quit. You know? And it's a funny story, but really appropriate in what we're talking about. A lot of times we're known for whatever our last words we say to people are. The last words he said to them was, I quit. He had six words. They weren't very good. They're all negative, not positive, one of them. What do we share? What, what, what is the positive things we're sharing as we go through every day? And making an impact around, around us. What are we known for? What are we known for in the circle of people that we're with? Are we communicating life? Or are we communicating death? Man, that's hard. Because we all fail, right? But you want to do it the right way. That's, that's an amazing, amazing story. But, you know, just a church can be known for a certain thing, too. around the walls here and around this community, what is this church known for? What are you known for personally, and what is your church known for? I think those are important things to think about if you're about communicating life. But in James 3, there's three things that happen uh, that talk about taming the tongue. And the first one is talking about a horse bit is to a horse, controlling the horse. Um, Several years ago, Kelly and I went with some friends to YMCA camp in uh, Colorado up in Rocky Mountain. It was awesome. I did, I was sitting around, it was an FCA camp actually, and we were there, and we, I was having a good time. I was, didn't really want to do much of what everybody else did. I don't know why that was, but uh, we always had this afternoon time that you were supposed to go do some activities. And they decided, those three, uh, my friend, I thought he was my friend, my friend and his wife and my wife 
decided we were going to go horseback riding. Well, um, I finally relented. I, I had only been on a horse maybe once in my life. I wasn't real fired up about being on a horse. Yeah, I wasn't fired up. Uh, so we went, we got down to the stable, and there were these kids working this camp that were in charge of the stable, in charge of the horses. And as we got there, you know, I was the last one that they brought out a horse for, but Kelly came out, and they had this big stallion, beautiful horse, and uh, Craig and Julie, they all had these amazing horses. And then all of a sudden, here comes out my horse. It's a Shetland pony. <laughs> this is a true story. This is not ministerially speaking. This is real. So, I, I'm sure those guys were just laughing the whole way. My feet were dragging the ground on the Shetland Pony, even though, you know, they ride the trails and the horses know where to go. I have no idea what I'm doing. And we're up on the stinking rocking mountains, and I'm looking over the side, even though it's only like one inch to the ground for my feet. I'm thinking, what happens if I can't stop or get this thing figured out how to control this thing. But uh, all of a sudden, we hit a certain point, and every one of the horses started running, galloping. I'm wondering what in the world, why is this happening? And it did. Like, my horse took off. I wish I remember the name of that horse. And I started trying to figure out a way to slow that sucker down. Man, I thought I was going off the side of the mountain. And... Uh, I finally figured out that if I yanked hard enough, that horse wasn't real happy. And it did stop. And I finally got to the end of that ride, and I found out what a horse bit could control a horse, and I never got back on another horse. But that's the kind of friends I have. But, you know, the Scripture talks about, right here in James, it's an amazing illustration. <clears throat> When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly po poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So if we're, if we're really about bringing our best, First of all, you know, I think we need to memorize the word. And second of all, we need to communicate life. And the tongue keeps us from doing that. And it says in the scripture right there, it's a really hard thing to do. Our tongue is just like a rudder that controls a big ship. 
It's amazing how that happens on a cruise ship. You know, one little rudder controls the whole thing. Or a, a spark on a forest fire that doesn't take much, as we've seen in California and other places. It just flames up so quick. It can be just from someone leaving something. The same thing, that's what we do with our tongue. We can, we can, make, we can say one thing, and it, before the day's out, it could be a wildfire in a community even though we, we didn't even know for sure what we said. We just have to be really careful if we want to be about bringing our best. You know, uh, the last thing about that that I, I'd like to say and just share, um, in verse 9 it talks about that we should, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but that scripture says to me that every time I say something to you, and maybe I'm cursing you, or I'm belittling you, that I'm belittling belittling Christ, belittling God. That's what that scripture says, right? If I curse you, I'm cursing God. That kind of changes maybe a little bit of what we think about in our communication. If we communicate more good things about others, it's amazing what in return we may get. But if, if we are speaking to others in that negative tone, excuse me, in that negative tone, we are speaking about God's likeness because we're all made in His image. That's pretty serious stuff. And in the world I am in, in sports, I mean, language is awful. Awful. When I, I became an NBA development coach, uh, Team Rio Grande Viper, Vipers down in McAllen, Texas, and I always had a rule with my team, if you, know, if you cuss, then it's, you're doing push-ups, automatic push-ups, any kind of language, because I, I don't... I don't cuss. I get kind of upset at referees every once in a while, but I never cuss them or say anything bad to them uh, like that. And uh, so we're, I had really good players, some guys you would know, that I was coaching that year in the NBA Development League. And the very first practice, Spencer Wright, who was a former player of mine and coached with me many years, uh, was standing around. And I, I told the guys, hey, we're, we're going to have no language here. So if you say something, it's going to be push-ups. And they all kind of started looking around, and they looked over at Spencer, my assistant, and they go, is he serious? He said, yeah, as long as I've known him, he has been. You know, but expectations, it's amazing. Because if you can control your tongue, you can control everything else about you. That's the hardest thing for us to control. It's the hardest thing for me to control. I'd love to say good things about everybody every minute, every second of every day. I know I don't, but that's what God would love for us to do. Those of us that are Christians, that's basically what we've been called to do. You know? But those guys got it. They never cussed. They ne- that was it. That was, all I had to do is hold them accountable. And then several of them shared with me later, I'm thankful that you have that stance. And it's been that way everywhere we've been. But the tongue 
can do so much damage. But at the same time, it can do so much good. It says, with the same tongue, we praise and we curse. Let's be about praising. Let's be about communicating life. Um, You know, at the full circle, you know, God sent his son, Jesus. He gave his best for us. It covered it all. Thank goodness God didn't send his second best. He sent his best. Because we would not know the atonement for sin if he had sent his second best. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm thankful for that. That he chose to send a perfect sacrifice. That once we accepted him, we would not have to accept him again. The blood was good. The blood took care of it. You know, in Ephesians 3.20, he can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, guess, or request in your wildest dreams. If you don't know him today and you don't know what it means to bring your best and see God in your life every day and know that he is there for you, uh, you can find him today, even today. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. For those of us that are Christians, even today we can make a proclamation to God and say, Hey, I, starting today, I'm going to do better with my communication. I'm going to do better with my language. I'm going to do better about being positive with all those around me. I want to make a difference. In this world, we're not, we've not been put in this world to make a living, but we've been put in this world to make a difference. Every day we get that opportunity. As you know, and you could see, I'm not a preacher, but I, I love sharing what God has given me in my heart. And memorizing scripture started when I was in college, started when I was in Bible school, but. All the way to college, I had a, a gentleman that spent time with me, my BSU director, and discipled me and talked to me about what memorizing scripture would do for my life, and he was right. Because we've had a lot of bad things happen in our lives, but God has always been there. We've had a lot of good things happen in our life, but God has always been there. We've had a lot of mundane things happen in our life but God has always been there and he'll be there for you too but if you just think about that and even if you think about what happened that day when they had that call out for the everybody to bring clothes, food water, all they could and the clothes that people brought and the things they brought, they had to throw 50% of the way I pray God's not having to throw 50% of my offering I bring to him every day. I pray he's not having to throw it away. I pray I can be better in how I communicate with others around me and try to bring my best every day. You know, he is more than enough. So that means we are more than enough ourselves if we have him in our heart. It says in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, 
But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He'll be like a tree planted by the water, whose roots run down in the stream. In a year of heat, he'll have no worries because his leaves will always turn green. In a year of drought, he'll have no fear because he will always bear fruit. I pray that's what we're about as individuals and as a church. And I know you guys are doing that. Obviously, from what happened at children's camp, you already have uh, angels rejoicing over the three that uh, accepted Christ last week. And I pray this week you have even more uh, that find him. Because he is amazing in what he can do to make an impact in your family and your life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be holy and acceptable to you. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your word. And we claim it won't return void. You're amazing how you love us, no matter what. Even when we make mistakes, you love us no matter what. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be here today and get a chance to share with this very, very good people. And Lord, I pray that you would just take us from here and that we would do our best to bring sacrifices that are worthy to you of our love, our communication, and how we treat others. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to, uh, we'll just take a second and I'm going to have Rhonda come up. <clears throat> She's going to play a hymn of invitation. If anybody would like to come up for any reason and uh, pray, altar's open, and then I'll turn it over to her to close.